0: Friends, welcome to the Film Alchemist Podcast, Uh, the show where we take the movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. October Halloween Dark Evil Magic. Uh, You are right smack dab in the middle of the October Mega Marathon. I'm your host, Josh Griffey. I hope you guys enjoyed the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise. So if you're financed for the first time here in October, go back. Every single Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie is available to you in the feed. Today, we start our second franchise of the month. We're joined by our new, uh, not our new friend, our old friend. Hopefully, your new friend. Here to discuss the new (laughs) franchise that we'll be discussing today. The second franchise of the month, Phantasm. Uh, So without any further ado... Carmelita Valdez McCoy, welcome back to the show. Would you like to uh, introduce yourself, where the people can find you, and introduce Phantasm?
1: Absolutely. It is so good to be back, my friend. <laughs> so Absolutely. good. I I got to tell you that the Film Alchemist 31 Days of Horror is mm. one of my favorite. It's become one of my favorite October traditions. So I'm I so pleased it to too. be back.
0: In February I love is our it. 31 Days of Whores. Uh, uh that's it that's on patreon though you gotta go to <laughs> patreon.com slash phil malcolm is pod to find out about you gotta, that. Pay,
1: <laughs> for <that>. you <laughs> that gotta pay for that you gotta pay for that we don't give that up you
0: pay, pay us we pay them that's how <laughs> commerce
1: works <laughs> yeah so it's good to be back uh, uh folks can find me at least at the time of this recording still on twitter
0: yeah <laughs> uh yeah we're recording now so there is a twitter now and a thread and now. a blue sky I don't know if these are going to go the way of Hive, which was cool for like a day.
1: Who knows? (laughs) Fingers crossed. At the time that folks are listening to this, that Twitter will still be alive and kicking. And if it is, you can find me there at Carmelita Says. I'm also on Letterboxd, same handle.
0: Yeah, at Carmelita Says. So last year you came and talked about Night of the Demon, an awesome old classic. Uh, But I messaged you. You're always my first call when we get to October. And I was like, what do you want to talk about? I laid out the options, and you chose the Phantasm franchise, an entire franchise, five movies. Yeah. What about the Phantasm uh, franchise have you always enjoyed so much?
1: So actually, I saw this as an opportunity to really dig into the franchise in Mm -hmm. a way I had not before. Because I had seen the first Phantasm and Phantasm Mm 2, but I didn't grow up with these. I saw them in adulthood. I was late to the party. One of my buddies from my hometown is the biggest Phantasm fan I have ever met, and he was always talking about Phantasm. Eric, if you're listening, this is for you.
0: <laughs> Eric, you better be listening.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and so I finally watched it because I knew how much he loved it. Like he would go to cons and anytime the tall man was somewhere making an uh, appearance, Angus he would him. Just... Yes. Yeah, he would do art around it. He just loves Phantasm. So I finally, in adulthood, got around to it and really enjoyed the first one. Watched the second one and was kind of like, okay, not not as good, but good.
0: All right, we're going to fight about and it. And I
1: saw this as an opportunity to really go back, dive deep, be a part of the film alchemist magic mm. that happens when you talk about a movie. So, yeah. Right.
0: It's actually my favorite thing about October. When you do a whole franchise like this consecutively, right? Because a lot of podcasts will pick a movie out here and there and talk about them. Yeah. But when you talk about them all in a row like this, I feel like it kind of strengthens the appreciation of all of them in total, right? Because I'm the same way. I've seen Phantasm 20 plus times. I, I love it, right? To me, I describe it as it's one of those like, I'm a prog rock guy. You know, so it's like kind of the weird edge of like metal adjacent, like overly played music. It's like a very like guys like me who love that kind of shit. Right. I think Phantasm is kind of the prog rock of the horror genre. Right. It is. it, it, It plays such a weird kind of medley of things. Right. It's got this great action, these disgusting effects, a great villain at the core. But then it has all these weird science fiction elements. Mm -hmm. mixed with classical kind of zombie elements, and they never fucking explain anything, really. Like, as we start getting further in the series, they start trying to put, like, a little more color to it, but they never really just, like, lay it out. Here's exactly what is happening and why. (laughs) Right? Like, it's it's such a bizarre... And it just... You just have to sit there and be in for the ride. And I was... uh, The first time I saw The Tall Man, I was like, yeah, I'm in for the ride. I will say, this movie has one of the great horror movie openings probably one probably the most talked about and debated about (laughs) scenes in the phantasm franchise is the opening of this movie i love it (laughs) which posits (laughs) which i kind of they kind of get away from it later in the series the tall man becomes the blonde woman yes sits at the closest dive bar to the cemetery lures men, as we see later in the movie with Jody, like, they don't even finish a drink. And it's just like, let's go.
1: This is the 70s. This is before before the AIDS crisis. This is free love.
0: Free love. Everyone's on cocaine. Small town men are just like, holy shit, this is great. There's probably barely a woman in that whole bar ever. (laughs) So the the tall man slash blonde woman lures them out to the cemetery to get get freaky, right? What is the funniest part of this ruse is that the tall man lets the very first guy we meet uh bust yeah so the tall man goes all the way not to mention the tall man is on top writing lets him Mm -hmm. bust and then he's like that was great stabs him with her decorative colt knife and then we do the james whale triple cut into Angus Scrimm's face, which is not the yes. thing you want to see the moment after you bust.
1: It's so not. Walk
0: me through this, because I think this is a very psychologically important <laughs> setup for the tall man. I I know it's hilarious to all of us, but I think this is an important aspect of what this character is. So what were you thinking as you saw this, this classic uh gotcha?
1: <laughs> I love this. I think it's I think it's incredible because you know especially 70s early 80s horror movies people who have sex get murdered right so when you see these two people having sex in the graveyard you're like yeah someone's gonna die one of them both of them someone's dying right and they get all the way through the sex act and i love the way <laughs> that this is shot the like the play of the sh- really deep shadows and just yeah. like shafts of light over Very the gothicky, eyes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's very cool. And the score, this eerie, ambient prog rock at times, Love psychedelic at times. It's excellent. And so, yeah, dude finishes. And
0: <laughs> he's like already half into his nap. He's like, oh, yeah. that was great.
1: It's <laughs> it's like like, the on. tall man wanted to wait until this guy was at his most vulnerable. The yeah. post post-coital, post-coital yeah, afterglow. Where he's tired, he's spent and lulled into this false sense of like comfort and then goes for the kill. It's It's funny because
0: most of us want to die that way. Not looking at Angus Scrim, (laughs) but like right in that euphoric moment. I mean, (laughs) the post coital, like maybe like the next three minutes, you're like, I understand why I remain on this earth every day. Right. You get, like, a small window there where, like, you're like, I, maybe there is a God. I don't know. <laughs> like right. You're, you're feeling right. great about everything before the world starts crashing back in. <laughs> Angus Grimmsface face would speed that up for me. Love him as an actor, not as a, uh, you know, facilitator of no. horniness. No. The problem is what I think this says about him, because as we see later in the movie, he picks up a five 600-pound coffin by himself. Mm-hmm. He has telekinesis with which he can throw people around. Right? He's this interdimensional being that as the franchise goes on, we start layering more and more powers on him. So at the start of the movie, we don't know that the tall man has anything other than shape shifting. So you're like, All right, like, maybe that makes sense. The problem is, is by the end of the movie, once we see he has superpowers, we have to sit there and assume that the 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 tall man is not. Facilitating just getting one more corpse in a cemetery full of generations of corpses. Sure. The, the tall man is seeking something out here. He's this emissary from another world, right? This this canary in the coal mine of <laughs> fucking absolute bedlam that's going to befall our planet as he steals our corpses to make these little Jawas, right? Servants, which we learn They're in the first They're
1: Totally end. like Jawas. They're
0: exactly Jawas. Uh <laughs> we don't know much about them yet. Like that comes later. But there is almost this, like, this, this dire need to be touched by something living. Mm. I think it sets up, because I think if you watch the franchise moving forward, if you're watching this with us, if you watch the rest of the franchise, there is a real, the tall man kind of yearning for something.
1: Yeah, it's like, a lonely never existence. Know why.
0: It's, it's lonely, but, right, he lets these guys bang him all the way. Like, Jody starts banging him, comes up with the panties in his mouth, right so he's definitely <laughs> yes. go- he's definitely going downtown right mm-hmm. on the tall man and then the tall man just lets him go he's like <laughs> like what <laughs> he was gonna eat out the tall man and the tall man doesn't throw him in like a famka jansen scissor lock and kills him lets no. him go he kind of sits there he's like unfulfilled and sad yeah so it's I funny because when you pair it with angus scrimm yeah when you compare it with angus scrimm who's this tall just Stern looking character, like just mm. one of those like nightmare principle kind of faces, right? Like total authoritarian, scary looking guy. And then you mix it with he shrinks down to this beautiful blonde woman with very thick eye makeup choices that change throughout the movie. Right. <laughs> the this, 70s. this peacocking has an extra layer. I think this man struggles with his lot in life. I think he needs those small moment. I I think it's one of the most interesting, weird. And again, they start trying to write it out of the franchise, it seems. But the, the aura of it is always there. Like, imagine how much it changes Michael Myers if he bangs someone and then kills them. And not like violently. Right. Right. Like, what if when the girl's like, you see anything you like, he's like, maybe. And he tries it out. Yeah. And then he's like, no, I have a bad mission that changes michael myers completely
1: (laughs) on every level that changes who that
0: character is and so for the tall man to start the franchise with this bizarre turnaround i think it i don't think it's just a weird thing in the script i think it is important to how you read that character beyond just the comedy of this alien warlord bringing people to fruition
1: No, I think you're right. I think it says a lot about his character, his motivations, his... Well, and two, it's like, as we get further along, we see more of his interacting in dreams Mm -hmm. and with the subconscious. It's like he wants to be inside of... Everyone's inside of him.
0: He wants to switch it.
1: Victims. Yeah, it's like he wants this connection, I guess. And he kind of likes... Kind of to play around. He doesn't just go for the the kill or the easy, you know, harvesting corpses because he does that too. But yeah, he wants more, I think.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a bizarre place because the tall man, that's the other thing too. It, especially in this movie, we don't get a great sense of what this character is, what this creature is. All we know is that he can shape shift, which means there's most likely a true form to him that we'll never see. He's gathering yeah. these bodies to turn into dwarven slaves, right? That they say in the movie, they shrink down and keep their size so that they can work on this desert fucking red hell planet, right? Which we see through a portal. How does that relate with how we see the tall man, right? If the gravity's that enormous, why is the tall man creature fucking damn near seven feet tall? I don't know. Right? So what does the real version of this thing look like? Is what you're left asking through the movie. And the franchise will will push further into who and what this character is. But so there's an unreliableness to him right away that almost no other horror villain has, right? Almost all of them are pretty surface what you see is what you get, right? If you go to Freddy, Ghostface, Leatherface, Jason, they're all pretty much exactly who they are. Leatherface. Even Freddy Krueger, who has this kind of comical banter now and then, he's still just an angry pedophile. Yes. Right? Like, there's not a lot of mystery to why he's doing what he's doing. Right? We know why he's still going into children's dreams after he gets revenge on the original Elm Street Children. He's a fucking pedophile. Yeah. Right? So there's not a lot yeah. of wishy washyness in these villains, right? Maybe a little Leatherface in the first movie where he's like the scared child version, not the cartoon he becomes. Yeah. But I think the tall man existing in this, he has no fucking idea who he is. I think it's fascinating, especially in today's world. This is something we talk about a lot now. Right. Is this allowing people to just decide to be who they want to be or, you know, some people are upset by that. It's kind of funny to rewatch these movies now
1: Mm. and be like,
0: oh, shit, man. Like, I feel like I'm more in this headspace in a way that I've never been watching this movie now.
1: Yeah, like society's finally caught up. Yeah. It's finally catching up to this idea. The tall man
0: is like deciding, who do I want to be? This tall fucking arch concept of what like a strict hard male is. Yeah. Or this beautiful lady that can find love and get nuts in cemeteries. You know what I mean? And he's fucking torn. He's a fucking slaver from another dimension. (laughs) But he's still torn. He doesn't know what to be. And I was like, I kind of love it. I kind of And he has
1: the power to be both
0: and yeah he can be both he, yeah and he, he can be does both. he yes. takes time off from slaving to bang these guys in cemeteries it would i mean be it's easier a good time to use his telekinesis to fucking bring the roof <laughs> of the bar down and get like 20 new corpses you know what i mean
1: the, yeah the tall man wants want to that. have fun too
0: he wants to he wants to spend some time man he's learning about this place he's yes. experiencing you, you know learn what I mean? a lot
1: about somebody
0: yeah, imagine if you're invading a country and you're like, but I want to stop and try the cuisine. You know what I mean? <laughs> I want to visit the tourist sites before we blow this place to hell. <laughs> that's what he's doing. And I think I think it puts him in an interesting, I think if you really sink into how weird this character is. Because on the surface, he's just a boy. Right? He's just that guy on <laughs> yeah. the surface. Like when I always watched it as a kid, that's what I took him as. It's just scary old man. Who's coming to get you for being youthful yeah. and not following rules.
1: Grim Undertaker.
0: Exactly. I think if you watch it today, and if you're watching it with us, I want you to put this in your head. When you're watching him, imagine the roiling turmoil of this character. Why is he the way he is when he presents? And yeah. I think it's fucking fascinating. It's a really fun layer in a movie. That I think the movie's fun because it's kind of this weird punk rock mixtape. Right, yeah. like there's not really much narrative or anything that's driving it for. It's just kind of like bouncing from scene to scene, and it's awesome. It has this terrible like dialogue and acting, but somehow that doesn't hurt the movie. It becomes part of the charm of the film, right? And it's just, and I think it's just this weird like it always keeps you on edge this whole movie. And I think that's a really hard, that's a really hard feat for a film to accomplish and still keep an audience loving it.
1: Yeah, right? no, especially a American tension.
0: audiences. We hate feeling like we don't know what's happening.
1: Yeah, there's a tension. And, and again, I, I think there's something really cool about this kind of dream logic. The film has a dream logic going oh, on. Oh,
0: absolutely.
1: Where you're kind of moving from scene to scene. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, what just happened? But it works. It's kind you of funny we
0: didn't talk about this, but I, I want you to expand on this because it is one of the things that I think is the worst part of the movie, is that at the very end it's him and Reggie sitting there like it's the Santa Claus, and it's like, mm-hmm. it was all a dream, it's fine, it's fine, <laughs> but then the tall man is there and some giant minion, not one of his dwarves, like a, a Yeti-sized person, mm-hmm. whose hands are at the top of the frame, drag Mike out, right? Yeah. And spoiler alert, part two answers some of this as well. Yes. I think it it makes the movie contextually more, it kind of clicks into place more for you. That At the end, it's a child's dream. I just think it's so fucking dumb. But what <laughs> did you make of it? Like, do you think it actually kind of works? Like, explain your thoughts on this to me.
1: So... I'm sure we'll 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 come back to this when we get to the sequels. Right. Cause I, I think in hindsight it works better. Fair point. But no, I'm with you in the moment watching it, and then it's like, No, Jody died in a car accident. None of that happened. And I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. What do you mean none so, of this? So happened? wait, Mike
0: imagined his brother eating out the alter ego of the tall man. He just made that up. Like, wait, what?
1: Right. <laughs> like when? Like wait. None what? of it makes
0: sense if you think about it. When did it this accident happen? <laughs>
1: did none of this happen? I don't. Yeah, and
0: you're like, is the tall man showing himself getting eaten out to the teenager? Like, who invented right. the psychic ant? Like, what is happening here? Right. if it's all a dream, you have to, is Mike the author of the dream or is it like a co-fanfic wiki with him and the tall man? And it doesn't really add up unless you take the ending to be that the tall man is writing an extra chapter to the dream. But then the sequel kind of fucks with that. But let's take the sequel out for now.
1: Yeah. Put that on the shelf. It's a
0: bizarre choice at the end of this film.
1: It is. And it it feels very abrupt, mm-hmm. especially after everything we've seen up until that point, right, and we've seen you know Jody and Reggie mm-hmm. true blue friend for the ages,
0: fucking Reggie dude, this is one of get the involved great, in this one of the great like kind of whore <laughs> treats of this franchise,
1: yeah, is that Reggie starts
0: off as like the eighth build character, just yeah. a weird ice cream truck driver. <laughs> With a bold spot and a ponytail who just plays guitar a with his vest. buddy. Yeah. And then by the end of the franchise, he's like fucking Ash. Yeah. I I love the journey of Reggie. But in this it's one, amazing. I forgot. Because I always remember Reggie as like the franchise <laughs> guy. You go back to this one. He's as inconsequential a character as exists in a movie.
1: Yeah, he's just buddy sidekick friend. Yeah,
0: he's just there because they need another person to talk to. That's not the 12-year-old. Right, yeah. and it's like for the Reggie's fucking glow up throughout this franchise is amazing, from ice cream man to sexual pest for four franchises. <laughs> Reggie hasn't uh, always aged well, but he was a man of his time.
1: Oh yeah, no, we'll we'll get into it. he's consistent.
0: <laughs> he, he definitely has a motif.
1: He's consistent. Yeah, it's like after everything we've been through in this film and the introduction of the tall man and all this cool imagery and this fears this fears when you get to that point where all of a sudden they they flip it on you and say no none of that happened and i'm like i i you know actually as we're talking about this it makes me think like it puts you almost in the shoes of michael mm-hmm. like what do you mean what do you What do you mean it's not real? I just experienced this. Yeah. And so I kind of like that aspect of it.
0: Well, a piece of trivia I had read is that Don Coscarelli had this exact dream. That he had Mm. a dream. He was running through a marbled mausoleum. And there was like this futuristic machine that was dispensing orbs that were coming out to kill him. And that was the genesis of him writing this movie was that dream. So perhaps because of that, he thought making it a child's dream would be interesting i think narratively it doesn't work for me but the movie's dreamlike aesthetic i think is part of why it's such a cult classic yeah because this movie finds so many amazing iconic visual motifs right on top of the score is just perfect for this movie and it's just weird it's it's just this hard to forget movie and i think you would make the argument right Even those of us that like Phantasm, right? When we talk about it five years after the last time we've seen it, we're not talking about Reggie and fucking Jody playing guitar on the front porch. We're not talking about jam session. Yeah, we're not talking about them trying to suss out the mystery, right? What are we talking about? Jawas, Hell Planet, Awesome Orbs, Yellow Blood, Angus Scrim, uh, sexually fluid gotchas. You know what I mean? That's what yeah. we're talking about, the score. So I, w- I think you can make the argument that even with this ending, which is kind of dumb, but when you see him at the end, right, when you see Angus Scrim in the very last scene go, boy, and he gets grabbed, you're like, all right. It's like an unnecessary extra little drum solo at the end of a, like, super average song. It's like, you haven't earned that, but that's fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? The rest of the concert was pretty great.
1: But it's so of the time yeah like if you went to see
0: i don't know a 90s band that maybe we'll both remember like lynn right oh the band wow. that had that terrible song steal my sunshine right but it was omnipresent <laughs> if you went to see them they're like and now we're all gonna solo and you're like this is mtv spring break there's no soloing no, for 10 minutes like bring it back a notch realize what you are <laughs> And I would yeah, say, let's... I am. I do not mean to say that Phantasm is the steal my sunshine of the horror genre. It is that, not the steal my sunshine. That no. would be so insulting. I would never. I'm sorry for even putting that in people's minds. I was talking more <laughs> about the like cool thing at the end of like a, a lackluster scene. But that's that's all. That's all.
1: Film Alchemist listeners know, know. what you meant. They,
0: they know what they meant. They know what they meant. Yeah, it's <laughs> – but that's that's what I mean. I think you would make the case that most movies kind of peter out and have lackluster endings, right? The vast majority of movies you watch, most of them nowadays especially, you know exactly beat for beat what the movie's going to do. So all they have to do is fulfill your expectations of the beats that you already know that's coming, and that's usually enough. Like this movie, for as classic as it is – the tall man just gets fucking caught in a hole that's the end of the film the tall man just falls in a fucking hole and he's like he can't do a pull-up even though he can fucking deadlift a fucking casket (laughs) he's telekinetic he can't pull or put his fucking like eight foot tall leg on the side of the thing and then some rocks fall down yeah that's how the tall man ends in this right in your mind you would go that sucks like what a stupid fucking ending for this amazing monster that we've had in the movie. But no one cares. No. No one fucking cares cuz every I don't time care. he's on screen it's so powerful. <laughs> and I think as a horror audience, we're trained to maybe not in 1979 yet, but definitely like our our age when we started watching movies, we're trained to like, oh, he'll be back. Yes. So I don't think it even matters, right? Like this this movie is an interesting mix of things that are just verifiably awful but when it's good it's so fucking good you don't even give a shit the rest of it's just like a you know a fucking terrible uber ride to the stuff we want to see
1: it's fine yeah the spheres come out when the fucking spheres come out it's like oh yeah i don't care what else happens
0: dude the so the spheres have become so iconic i love it so fucking iconic right the the design the flying the blades, the drill, the fact that they the become juicer. like fucking blood hoses. Yes, that I mean, if you have that in your movie, that's an automatic three out of five to me. Instantly for that one thing, you
1: know what I mean? Like you're already they're incredible. Most of the way there, it looks it, so cool. Incredible, but that that's uh, what everything I mean, right? about it is cool. Yeah. The car chase. Yes, we get our first phantasm car chase.
0: They love fucking car chases. I love a phantasm car chase. (laughs) They fucking love car chases.
1: Well, and I'm right there with them. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, all of those things. It's like that's enough. It doesn't matter that Jody is kind of wooden and like a non-character. Cannot deliver a line of dialogue. Like who gives a shit? No one cares. Because everything around Jody is is awesome. Yeah, well, that's the other
0: thing. When you make the movie have this dreamy aesthetic, there's already so much surrealism involved. Him being a wooden actor almost kind of adds to the surrealism in a weird way. Yeah, right. Because there's never a moment of the film where you sink in and you're like, ah, I'm in a believable world where believable things are happening. So it, it really is kind of this amazing art armor
1: where it doesn't fucking matter.
0: Everyone in this movie can suck except for Angus Grimm.
1: Basically. As Although I will say good, the kid matter. who plays Michael is actually really good. Yeah, I liked him. I like Reggie. Right? Yeah, I love the the fortune teller's house.
0: What a scene. Why is Grandma... this scene in the movie? I
1: love it. Grandma and granddaughter. I mean, not, not the, the greatest line deliveries, right. but it's the ambiance of the room, right? Mm-hmm. The candles, the mirrors, Grandma kind of looks like she's straight out of she's straight out of Dune. Yeah, she's the Bene Gesserit, and she's come to do the Gamjabar test yeah. on Michael. Put your hand in the box. Don't fear.
0: Yeah, and he's like, it's I'm just Dune. trying to watch my brother bang. Like, what is all?
1: That? <laughs> <laughs> it's Dune, but yeah. I love Dune, so also I think it's rad.
0: But that's that. That scene is such a perfect exhibit A. When explaining this movie, to some, that scene has no fucking reason to be in this movie. It doesn't not add really. to the characters. It doesn't move the narrative. We never come back to this fucking fortune teller lady at all.
1: No, but the lesson she taught him to yes. not fear—he does use that mantra later.
0: I feel like he tries, but is still afraid constantly. Which anyone he is what? afraid.
1: I would be yeah. afraid too.
0: It's easier to have your local friendly therapist or psychic tell you what to do than to put it <laughs> yes. into effect.
1: To actually put it into practice.
0: Yeah, cuz I think we're all watching the movie and you're like, "Oh yeah, I'd be fucking afraid." Like big time. All the way. <laughs> that's the that's the the kind of Faustian bargain this movie makes. Mhm. Is that we have to have scenes in here so it's a movie. But a lot of these scenes aren't going to matter at all. Like again, Jody and Reggie just play in their little song. It doesn't matter at all, but I like it. It's a moment to sit there with these guys and, and without (laughs) their acting abilities to just kind of show this like nice little camaraderie. You know what I mean? doesn't really like, if you were an executive, you would go through scene by scene and be like, guys, there's like 20 scenes in this movie that are not working. (laughs) Cut that. Yeah. Cut that guys. Come on. We can shave this. Let's go. But Coscarelli just knew, right? He's like, I'm going to fucking crush it when it matters. And there's almost an effect of these like kind of useless scenes where they almost they bring you back down. Right. Because once you see the sphere, once you see the hell world, there has to be a way to bring the audience back down so that they can get re-scared. They can get re-amped up. Right. And so he's kind of it's kind of this amazing trick that these scenes which should objectively hurt the film become this asset in adding to the surrealism and for calming us yeah letting our brain and that's the other thing it's a movie that constantly posits what the fuck is going on and so those scenes when they start trying to act and we're like ew our brains are sitting there processing (laughs) these questions right our brains are sitting there why are they stealing corpses why does we're using the downtime yeah why is he banging all these people does he fuck chicks as the tall man wait where is that hell world why are they here how do they make these things right we're using these scenes to process all of these fucking giant pieces of fucking uh, evidence that they're presenting us. Right? So it's it's kind yeah. of this. This is what why we named it Film Alchemist, right? This weird filmmaking unlike any other art. It, there is so much collaboration between so many people of so many different crafts and talents to make a film good. Right? And it doesn't. I mean, a couple of them can ruin a film. But a couple people doing different things right. Like, whoever designed that mausoleum, you get a huge amount of the reason why this movie's so memorable. What a fucking set. That was just plywood and marble paint. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Looks fucking incredible. The sphere. The poor guy who designed the spheres died. He never even got to see him on film, right? But that's So many people with so many tools and skills, somehow this movie becomes more than the sum of its parts. And that was the great thing of this time of Horror movies in the early '80s were these movies that had all these objective, objectively not good elements that would so overcome them that we forget those elements were bad in the first place.
1: It's an incredible trick. Yeah, no, it is. Well, and, and as you're saying this, it's making me think about our heroes in this movie, mm-hmm. who are just kind of your average late '70s young people, just dudes, right? Just dudes. But I like how there's, there's little things about their personalities, and they're not even big things, they're little things, but that do weave into the story, that put it all together, and they're able to go toe-to-toe with the tall man and hold their own, really. Well,
0: the fact like, that they're even willing to do that.
1: Yes. Like, look at Reggie. They do the jam, their little jam session, and he's playing with a tuning fork he's a musician he knows about you know how sound is created yeah (laughs) exactly so later when we find the room with the portal Mm -hmm. and we see these two silver rods coming up out of the ground reggie connects it to music Mm -hmm. vibrations how do you stop the tuning fork you put your fingers on it so It's little things like that 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 are that hold on the
0: tuning fork, which is weird. The forks are sideways. The portals are vertical. so they're intersecting lines that don't. They're not congruent. That's cool. That's a good poll. I didn't even. Yeah,
1: little things like that. You look at Jody Mm -hmm. and Michael and they're Jody's itching to leave town again. He doesn't want to be saddled with raising a teenager. Mm -hmm. Understandable. I wouldn't want to either. Yeah. As much as you love your brother, that's a lot of responsibility. You're also,
0: like, I'm probably not going to be good at this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. Well, and I don't think they never really say, like, what Judy was doing. Was he traveling for
0: I think music, for was, work? I think he was trying to be a musician. Okay. I don't know that he was a popular because He doesn't seem right. famous to anyone. No.
1: But I think yeah, but he but was he's been like, on the road.
0: Yeah. Go West and make your fortune. son. that kind of
1: right, idea. right. And the fact that Michael likes to follow his brother around because he's scared that he'll leave. Yeah. That following around and spying of a, you know, a young teenager is how we first discover that the tall man can lift caskets. Mm-hmm. It's how we first discover that there's something even happening in this town with the corpses. We learn gets saved because
0: he trips him up on the dirt bike. Yes. Right.
1: Michael following Jody saves Jody's life because mm-hmm. if he had continued his activities with this woman he picked up at the bar, he was going to be the next victim. So it's, right. you know, those little character things that seem like really small, but it does all weave into the story together.
0: Right. Well, there, like a great moment of pause in the movie, right? Is when he fucking chops off the tall man's fingers We see the fingers caught in the door and they're all yellow. And he's got the finger in this little box. (laughs) And this is kind of a great example of what I'm trying to say about the movie. He goes home and Jody's like sleeping on or he finds him sleeping on the stairs with a fucking loaded gun. And Jody's just like, come on, dude. And he's like, I've got evidence. All right. He shows him a finger in a box that's still moving. And he just goes, (laughs) Jesus Christ, it's true. Like, he's so nonchalant. Like, everyone in the movie takes this. This is an alien presence that he was face to bush with right that's stealing our dead people to make an army of slaves for another dimension he just sees a finger and instead of going back i'm like oh my god i almost had sex with an alien wait my parents are <laughs> slaves in another dimension he just goes whoa, whoa. crazy like just totally immediately buys in <laughs> it's real to the reality that this 12 year old is pitching him like for not even a second does he debate it He's just like, well, what are we going to do about this? This is ridiculous. And I just love the immediate. They're so nonchalant about everything. Like eventually in the car chase scene, right? They're like, no one's driving the car. The fucking creature's fighting him or whatever. It gets impaled. And they're like, that's our friend who died at the start of the movie. And they're just like, whoa. It's, that's your friend whose funeral Tommy. you came back for. It's Tommy. And now he's a smushed dwarven slave. And, like, they don't even take more than, like, a half a second to process that and move on. No. <laughs> That's that good old Midwestern stick-to-itiveness. You're like, we just got to get the job done. We don't have time for going. emotions. Yeah. But
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so and funny because we as the audience
0: aren't buying into the movie on that level.
1: Just based on – and and, then, and maybe this is me judging a book by its cover. Apologies. But I'm just saying, if you look at Reggie and you look at Jody. And they mm. do, they have their little jam band. Mm. I mean, these guys are high, right?
0: Especially Reggie registers very high to me throughout this movie. Right? Yeah. He's an ice cream man. That's yeah. a lonely, on the road position.
1: So that might be part of it too.
0: That's true. There's, I think that would freak me out more. Speaking of, as a guy who's been high a lot of times, if I saw my <laughs> dead best friend shrunken into a dwarven slave, in a car that was driving with no driver. I think I would chalk that up more to like, than when I was watching like heavy metal movie, you know what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm. Like that's like a movie
0: you watch high and you're like, whoa, I think I'd be like,
1: <laughs> what the fuck?
0: Like I'd be so panicked. I'd probably have a heart yeah. attack and drop dead.
1: It it could. Yes. It could very easily go the other way.
0: That's when, yeah, you fight the high and the high fights you back. You know what I mean? That's what would be happening to me in that moment. <laughs> oh goodness. Yeah, it's – that's what I mean. It's bizarre because I feel like if you did a laundry list, like a pros and cons list, you'd be like, this movie sucks, right? Like if I was explaining it to other people, it just doesn't. Like it's such but a But it bizarre, works. It's just a fucking great it movie. It just works. And it's it's one of those things when as a podcaster I feel like an idiot. because so I'm like, why do I do this podcast, right? And you're like, is it to <laughs> fucking teach people about film? No, not really. Like – should I have something more interesting to say? You're like, maybe for me, it's more just like talking about movies. That's just something I like. And this is one of those where I get a little frustrated. You're like, I wish I could explain this movie more effectively. Cause again, I feel like you would say it's not a good movie, but it's magic. It's pure magic. It
1: is. It is magic. pure magic. It is magic. And I, I think, and this, and this is a cool thing too. It's like, this is like practically a Don Coscarelli one-man show. Mm-hmm. Directed, written, cinematography, edited—I mean, he did it all
0: from his own dream. That's right, from
1: his own dream, you know. And so, I—I I think that might be part of it too. Is that he's not taking in a lot of input, mm-hmm. presumably from other places it's like he's just kind of going with this idea and trying to make it happen
0: a more unified vision
1: yeah yeah Yeah. even
0: like when we see the orbs like going to orb vision fucking great choice
1: i love the
0: pov oh the orbs are still my favorite thing yeah right if we had to rank like (laughs) because there's there's great stuff right like them putting their dead friend in the fucking ice cream truck and he's like you're not gonna mess (laughs) with my ice cream right (laughs) <laughs> it's like come on dude there's that scene when he finds an ancient antique photo of the tall man so this yes. guy's been fucking hollowing this town out for a hundred plus years
1: long time
0: right so again this is another thing there are things this movie sets up that the sequel doesn't really address if you take this first one is all dream bullshit where nothing is real and nothing has happened maybe but it's And I think it's also a thing, it just, it asks so many questions and never answers anything Mm. ever. But by the time you're in the portal room, and they're being dragged into the hell world, and the barrels are flying in, who fucking cares? Who cares? I don't. It's, it's such a fucking, I just don't know how to say it.
1: And it's, it's like dream interpretation. When you wake up from a crazy dream... And you talk it over with somebody. Yeah. And like nothing made sense. Yeah. But it's just really cool to roll it around for as long as you can remember it. Roll it around in your mind and like, what did that mean? And what did that mean? And there is no answer. It was just your subconscious. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They go outside and Reggie's trying to save the blonde woman. But we know it's the tall man. Mm -hmm. He gets stabbed. They're fighting. Uh, you know, Reggie's the last one he's going to get. And you're like, cool line. I don't care about all the other shit. <laughs> <It's> yeah.
1: Like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I... This this film has a whole vibe.
0: Yes, that's a great. And... Kinda, it reminds me of Suspiria very much in that way. Yeah. Right? Where there are just also, movies that are kind of like big visual, like hook movies.
1: Kind of reminds yeah. me in some regards, not, not in the, the story. Mm -hmm. per se, but kind of a similar feeling to like Mandy. Yeah. Yeah. Where something is a mood and a vibe and you can tell that all of this stuff is springing from the mind of one person, one creative vision. And they're just throwing these images out
0: that we can't stop looking at. Yes. Even if the narrative suffers a little bit, but this is the thing. What do you want out of your movies? Right? We don't want every movie to be the exact same ride.
1: No, so I don't. Can put
0: away, I don't need a narrative. Like, I don't need every movie to be Saves the Cat. Sometimes I need to ponder intergalactic slavery. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And just ponder why why this is happening. Yeah. Sometimes I just need to divert to a psychic grandma's house. Yes. You know what I mean? For no I would totally hang reason. out with grandma. Yeah. That's... I mean, the scene where the finger starts turning into a fly... And we're just that's like a great example of this movie. Like that makes like what
1: is it trying to
0: get back to the tall man? Is it trying to kill them? Why is it a fly and not something cooler? Who cares?
1: No clue. Super
0: fucking fun. They put it in the disposal. Reggie's got a little fucking joke. (laughs) It's fine. It's fine.
1: And, And I love, you know, this is a low budget thing. Yeah. So there's parts where Jody or Michael are like struggling with supposedly the fly in the jacket. But you could tell that they're just acting like mimey. <laughs> Even though
0: Jody almost definitely threw Mike through that banister.
1: <laughs> yeah, but or Jody reason, fighting. He's fighting works. the
0: Jawa on his head and he shoots a gun like this. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> what the fuck? You would never point a gun like that right over you your
1: never, head. Never. That First would time, never. Yeah, you'd be deaf. Right. <laughs> But well, you're there's like, that.
0: who cares? Who cares?
1: Although you're definitely I will gonna say, shoot yourself. <laughs> I was very proud of Jody for giving young Michael some sound advice about muzzle discipline, about you never point a firearm at something you don't want to destroy and you yeah. don't fire warning shots. Like, no, if, if you're pointing yeah. at something, it's because you have every intention. And then
0: Michael goes and Kevin McAllister's his way out of the house by blowing yes. up a shotgun <laughs> shell in the door. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's I think it's funny because I think as the series goes on, they start to be more cognizant of, of deepening the mythology. Yeah. They start trying to plant more roots as to what's happening. And I think it's, it's funny because the series, because part two I feel like is kind of a big budget remake of this one, where they have full resources to do whatever the fuck they want, right? And all Phantasm movies find their own weird little corners to exist in, right? Mm-hmm. But I think what's funny about this one is it is just a punk rock medley tape, a prog rock medley tape, right? It's just images and iconography and an energy that you fucking love. Even though I think if you revisit it, it's not – there's a lot of areas where this is not the strongest horror movie, right? I think that's why Phantasm slips down a little bit among the horror franchises. Sure. Because I thing, even prog rock, right? You're like, wow, what great musicianship. Some people don't want to fucking fight with art that, like, ask things of them. Sometimes we just want a Friday the 13th. You know what I mean? Sometimes we just want it right there, right in our fucking face. And this, of the franchises, I just think this one gets weirder than any of the rest of them. It's you know? totally weird. And I think it's its secret weapon. Is I think, because when you watch it, you don't get, oh, I'm just lost in another slasher. There's such an extra layer of things happening. To me, this one is much more Candyman than Friday the 13th or Nightmare yes. on Elm Street, right? Yes. Like it's this, it's this, and again, it doesn't have as much to say as Candyman, but just that we're going to really hit a vibe, as you were saying. But again, it's 10 times weirder than Candyman. Candyman's a pretty straightforward tale of crime. Yeah, of no,
1: th- this is weird. And I, I think chalk that up a lot to the sci fi elements.
0: Yes. I think the sci-fi element is so vastly underappreciated cuz the orbs could just be a classic monster of any ilk. They could. Right? There's nothing really science fictiony about the orbs outside of the look. But just realizing that he's sending our dead bodies to another planet is bizarre. Like what a weird motivation. It's crazy. And it just it adds a lot <laughs> to the the mystique of the movie, I think right I think so I I think it reminds me of bands and like you hear their first album you're like that's rough but I see the roots of all the things that you will go on to love so much and I do think Phantasm One is rougher than people remember as a film but when they are on it's so fucking good yes like the great tracks are so fucking great (laughs) you know what I mean and so yeah that's I just I remember countless nights falling asleep or being drunk or being high and just angus scrim. you played a good game boy and you're just like <laughs> whoa holy shit or watching the blood spurt out of the thing yeah right seeing yellow blood seeing that guy get fucking murdered by the orb and then just the cool idea to just have a puddle of piss forming under his legs right yeah. like they just do all of the things i care about right and the other thing, yeah, mean, you can walk and go that, get another that- beer to reload <laughs>
1: <laughs> that when they first discover the room where the portal is, like when they open that door, you're coming out of this mausoleum, mm-hmm. a, a space we're all familiar with, people are uncomfortable with, but familiar with. Oh, yeah. When you walk behind, when they go in through this door and all of a sudden it's this stark white room and all of those like, like barrels. Mm-hmm. Or travel pods, I like guess what they barrels, actually are. Yeah. yeah. And then when you see the portal gate, it's like, what is happening? But in the best way possible. Yeah. It's just such a cool image and it's such a cool idea that gets you, like, it's like you get your mind going, like, whoa, where does that, what, how, where, how? Yeah. In like the best way possible.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, just amazing fucking stoner whore honestly yeah. is what it really boils down to the most um and again i don't like the ending that much but it's fine it's fine because that's what i mean it's it's a movie of high highs and low lows
1: yeah but it's
0: obviously become such a fucking cult classic and spawned a five movie franchise right in 1979 True. so it's a little before like the real big horror boom because Halloween was 78 or 77? 78. 78. So this one was not, at this point, it was not beholden to that it has to be a slasher slasher. Right. Right? So it might yeah. have happened just in that right time where the tall man was allowed to be this this more amorphous character that lets it become a little more distinguished from its peers because of those weird extra elements. Yeah. Any other thoughts on uh phantasm before we wrap this up and get to phantasm too?
1: I just had so much fun revisiting this yeah and and just having that experience. hey, I am all for a really narrative film, and I enjoy lots of that too but i I do really enjoy films that are about the experience, the vibe. Yeah. I like that. And this movie delivers on that.
0: Yeah, and honestly to me, time. the thing I take away is how they came up with so many iconic images. Yeah. In the in this first entry to the franchise. Like things that become like the bedrock of everything else they'll do. Um, it's really just an incredible film, man, and it's it's weird. Yeah, it's prog rock, it's stoner movies. Um but yeah, just stuff that you'll never unsee in a great way. That's it for Phantasm. We hope you guys have enjoyed it. Uh, We'll be back for more tomorrow. Phantasm 2. Carmelita's joining us for the entire franchise. So stay with us, guys. We're excited to rewatch it. We hope you're excited to watch it with us. We hope you're enjoying uh, all 31 movies this month with us. If you're going to do that, you have to get all of the full lineup. Uh, There are some that are over on Patreon.com slash FilmAlchemistPod. Uh, We work really hard over there to make it fun for you. Besides the October ones, we have tons of Patreon-exclusive episodes and fun stuff over there. We're always listening uh, to our patrons to try to find a way to make that more awesome. So if you would be so kind, go to patreon.com slash Pod. Make sure you leave five-star ratings and reviews. Do all of that good stuff. Uh, The YouTube film alchemist, all the things. There's a lot of things to say, right? If you run a podcast, there's a lot of extra stuff you have to do. (laughs) <laughs> and we're doing all of it. Uh and now Carmelita's doing that with us too. So <laughs> thank you for joining us, Carmelita. One more time. Tell the people where to find you.
1: Yeah, no. Thank you for having me back. And yeah, film alchemist listeners can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd. Same handle for both at and, Carmelita says.
0: And yeah, at Carmelita Says. I kind of stepped on that. And in our <laughs> Patreon community and our Patreon yeah. Discord. I'm not just a sometime
1: guest. I'm not just a devoted listener. I am also a Patreon patron.
0: That's why you're the best. That's why you're the best. All right, guys. We'll see you tomorrow for
1: Phantasm 2.